0: Welcome back to the next episode of Eldritch Girl, where we are serialising 13th, which is all rights reserved. The theme tune is by Gemma Cartmel, and if you've got the book or paperback to read along, the illustrations are by Thomas Brown, and there's five original illustrations in both the ebook and the paperback. In this episode, we're covering chapter six, part three, and chapter seven, part one. So, The first section is a Wes section. Um, It's got, again, Wes is very incoherent. um, Driving under the influence um, or like, if not under the influence, the the kind of the come down from the the night before. Um, So there's implied careless driving. And there's also some homicidal ideation um, where he fantasizes about strangling Katie with his scarf. And there's uh, obviously the usual strong language and references to drugs and drug taking. In katie's point of view which is chapter seven part one you've got a much more intense family scene um, with attempted abduction by her father and siblings and you have some graphic sibling bullying and intimidation so if you have some triggers around family bullying and that those sorts of toxic physical abuse dynamics then This is the, this chapter seven is the the chapter to just be aware of, just that that first section there. Um, Hopefully, though, it won't be too bad, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Good luck. Chapter Six, Part Three Wes did not do the responsible thing, and drove down to Pagamon Sea instead of taking the train, muffled in a silk scarf and buoyed by Charlie's pep talk and Hugo's gentle, if conditional forgiveness. He needed to be more open. Yes, he agreed. I'll try. You can't protect everybody. No, I know. You're hurting us. You're hurting yourself. Stop acting like you don't care. Stop with the theatrics. I will, Wes agreed, wrapped in Hughie's arms on the sofa, Charlie overseeing in her unobtrusive way, Hugo getting emotional, Wes like stone. "'I will. You come first. You always come first, even if I don't act like it. "'I'll do better, I promise. It's nothing. It's a crisis. It'll pass. I'll do better.' He texted his sister on the way down, stealing himself. This was it. After this, he cut ties with all of them. He couldn't balance the life he wanted with the life that clawed at his back, dragging him down to the seaside town where his past ought to be dead and buried. He couldn't face Ricky. That was too complicated.' No, get Katie away from him, drive the wedge in hard, satisfy Uncle Marcus, and then leave. Go back to London, sell the house in Pagamon Sea, cut ties, let the family forget him. He put it out of his mind as far as he could, pretending to himself that it would be that easy, as if running from family was possible, as if they had contributed nothing to what was under his skin, nothing to what was in his head, as if you could cut them out like a bruise in an apple as if he wasn't already turning into his silent father. All he wanted was stability, an even keel, a bit of fucking sanity. He bit his nails as he drove one-handed, speakers blaring out something angsty and aggressive. The road to sanity was simple. He could get rid of Cousin Ricky once and for all, somehow, that part was hazy, but he'd think of something simple, providing, of course, that during the week Catherine had figured out the damn list. The last thirteenth hadn't managed it, had gone nuts and put himself on the bloody thing, and since then no one had figured out why or how it worked, not even Granny Wend. Or maybe the old girl had after all, and just not told anyone. That would have been her style. So yeah, of course it was likely that after a couple of weeks under Ricky's private tutelage, his seventeen-year-old sister would have worked it out. He bit one nail down to the quick, flinching at the stab of pain as it bled. The M23 was a straightforward run today. It would only take him about two hours. He was already nearing Horsham. The journey was familiar. He must have done it a hundred times. But he nearly turned off by accident at a junction he'd never taken before. Not even once. And he didn't know why. Nice one, Wesley. Self-sabotaging fuck. He kept driving, paying more attention to the signs. How hard could that be? Sanity. Clean break, on his terms, a bit of respect for the invisible man. Ricky's fucking fault. Or Ricky's fucking fucked up fault. He gripped the wheel tighter, speeding up. Yeah. All he had to do was get his cousin out of the picture, tell Uncle Barry he needed another batch of silver lining and take drugs to tell the future. Then the clown would come to him on his terms and he'd have the best of both worlds. That was better. Then he wouldn't have to choose. And he could protect whoever he wanted. Just like that. "'Piece of piss,' he muttered, trying to convince himself. "'He sat in a coffee shop near Pagamon Sea College, "'face hidden behind his silk-scarf screen, "'staring at the mock 40's posters "'and the rustic make-do-and-men cheek, "'drinking espresso until Katie showed up. "'He greeted her with a wave of his phone "'as she finally came in. "'You're okay, then?' "'She looked tired, but otherwise fine. "'So grown up, an adult.' Not the kid in pajamas with the big serious eyes he kept picturing. How had she changed this much so fast? She might start killing them next year. He offered her a chair, suddenly aware he was talking to someone on borrowed time. There'd be no going back for her after the changes. She'd be something else, something new, and this person, full of her hopes and dreams and almost human teenage doubts, would be gone forever. He found himself focusing on her with renewed intensity, trying to fix this person in his mind before she blew away. Katie didn't say anything. She hesitated before taking the chair, fiddling with something under her jumper, some necklace pendant. All right. She was into pastels, skinny jeans, big silver earrings, sparkling hair clips. She still had cat badges on her shoulder bag, and he could see the corner of her ring binder covered in pop-punk band stickers poking out of one end. She was his baby sister. She took a breath, and Wes's stomach plummeted. "'Why didn't you come and get me?' she asked. He didn't know what to say. He couldn't say, "'Because I don't want you.' If that was true, why was he here?' He shook his head. "'I meant to. I I didn't know if I could, if...' He could see this wasn't working, and he didn't know where he was going with it anyway, He gave up and changed tack. You can't trust Ricky, you know that, right? Why don't you come and stay at ours? Here, Charlie will be coming down tomorrow. Wes watched her, her long face and wide porter nose balanced out those big expressive brown eyes and framed by straightened brown hair. It was a long face, but without the hardness of Nicole and Kim, lacking Jade's bitterness or the twists of Lucy and Kirsty's sly, furtive mannerisms. He liked her best of all of them. And that made it worse. Katie looked him in the eye. What are you really doing here? Wes frowned. I'm here for you. Right, but you didn't come and get me when Ricky told you he'd snatched me. You weren't camping outside the gates, were you? What did he say? Wes rolled his eyes. Charlie had a thing and I knew he wasn't going to hurt you. I came down as soon as I could. Charlie had a thing? Katie glared at him. I'm your sister. You know I can't leave her without warning. It's not that... He was aware he was raising his voice and took a breath. It's not that easy. He adjusted his scarf over his nose, royal purple rippling as he sighed. I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. Ricky's a dick. I told you this before. He doesn't know how to give you anything unless it's transactional. You take what you need and you move on. Don't let him in your head. Katie was hard to read. Her lips tightened slightly, but whether in agreement or disapproval, he had no idea. He assumed the worst. Charlie would have had her laughing and relaxed by now, not accusatory and sullen. He sat helpless, acutely aware they were on the brink of something that felt horribly like an ending. Her glower hadn't improved. "'What do you actually want, Wes?' He shook his head. "'I don't want you getting hurt.' But he did. A small part of him did. He imagined his scarf around her neck, his palm covering her nose and mouth. It wouldn't take long, and then it would be over. Her hand flew to the bump of her necklace pendant under her jumper, and her eyes were wide and suddenly wet. You fucking liar! Katie! Keep away from me! Katie! Shit! She shook her head, grabbing her bag and jumping up. Before he could follow, she was threading between tables and jogging out of the door and down the street, bumping pedestrians out of her way and picking up speed. Shit! He'd barely said anything to her. Triple shit! He couldn't even tell the truth properly. Boiling with frustration, he jabbed out an angry text, three bitter little words, and hit send. Ricky killed Gran. He looked at it blankly for a second. That was his cash cow sent to the slaughter then. His stomach churned. An unwelcome memory of camaraderie and something tender but short-lived bobbed to the surface, unwilling to be pushed away no matter how he tried. Ricky was his fucking cousin. Gran had treated them all like shit and he wasn't sorry she was gone, but Katie would be devastated and where else did she have to go? Fuck! He caught a few glares from the other cafe goers for that, but screw them. Adjusting his collar, he made for the door and hoped he could catch her up. Chapter 7. Brave New World One believes things because one has been conditioned to believe them. Aldous Huxley, Brave New World 14th of January Uncle George was waiting on the corner as Katie left the cafe. Her bead burned. She could tell it was Uncle George by the way his shape altered in her peripheral vision, from a lanky man in a dirty brown jumper to something with too many joints, twisting and extending in a state of flux. He didn't do anything but watch, smoking a badly rolled cigarette. Katie couldn't remember the last time Ricky's dad had been out of Bramble Cottage, let alone the last time she'd seen him in town. He flicked the smouldering dog end away, head on one side. Katie ducked her head and quickened her pace. Had Wes set her up? Fucking coward! She still felt a twinge of guilt that she hadn't told him about, but maybe he'd guessed. She shook it off, pushing it to the back of her mind. The hairs pricked up on the back of her neck, but she didn't turn around. A car was crawling along the road behind her, as if looking for a place to park. It sped up, and she stumbled further away from the curb. A glance told her it was her dad's car. She recognised the dents in the bonnet, the colour, the dirt on the front plate. The window jutted down. Catherine! She hated that bark, the way he spat out her name. It arrested her, drew her up sharply like a leash. It took all she had to keep walking. The car crept behind her. Get in the car! Katie swallowed throat burning and tight, the familiar corset of nausea cinching her stomach and pulling her into herself. Her legs were shaking, but she could run, she could run if she had to. Her muscles quivered, barely holding her weight, blancmange on sticks. Catherine! She sped up. She heard the car stop, the door clunk open. Catherine! She bolted, lurching into a full sprint. She got as far as the end of the street when another car pulled out around the corner and she nearly tipped into the side of it. The back door opened and her sister, Nicole, slithered out, the harvest party queen, short cropped hair, messy, bloodstains on her T-shirt. Katie wasn't sure what happened to the organs after harvesting. Nicole did weirder shit than eat them. Katie backed off. Nicole had always shown her dominance with violence, the worst of them for that, always twisting her arm, once until it snapped until Katie did what she was told. Nicole's lipstick was smeared across her chin, a comical smudge of purple. She looked like she hadn't slept for a week or changed her clothes. There was a stale smell from the inside of the car, a corrupt, sweet stench of decaying food and old, stale beer. Uncle Barry wants to unlock your potential, her sister slurred, eyelids heavy, reaching for her. This was a nightmare. Wes had set her up, he must have done, Katie jerked back and sprinted across the road without looking. The adrenaline rocketed through her and she cannoned into Gordon Street, pounding up the uneven pavement. She raced by the parked cars lining the road and nearly ran into Uncle David, Wend, a meaty mountain in a fedora, as he stepped out of the doorway of Mr Domov's pet shop. Wes turned a corner, hands in his pockets, lanky Strider raised from her mind as soon as she blinked, and she nearly cannoned straight into him, forgetting he was there. I was looking for you, Wes started, catching her by the arm, and Katie spat in his face to make him recoil. Get the fuck off me! She tore away from his hand, now convinced it was all his fault, and veered off between two cars into the road. She heard Wes yelling out a warning behind her and a car braked sharply, feet away. She vaulted the bonnet, dodged a motorbike coming in the opposite direction, made it across the road, and plunged down another side street, but miscalculated. It was an alley between the houses and the chip shop a high brick wall cutting her off from Bourne Road car park on the other side. Fuck! She raked both hands over her head, tugging the hair bubble back. Catherine! That was Liam, her brother, his dirty sing-song punctuated by Nicole's chortle. The bead was blistering her skin, but she didn't need it to know how much trouble she'd be in if they caught her. Backing up against the bricks, she tried to find her voice. Ricky says you can't touch me she said, and it sounded weak. They all wanted to prove how strong they were to keep themselves off the list, keep her too scared to imagine she could ever be stronger. Well, point proven. Soon the list would contain nobody if she listened to Rocket. She'd have the moral high ground and be weak and scared and impotent forever. And they'd just carry on. She didn't want to think about the stains on Nicole's T-shirt, or about what their dad might have in his boot, or what Uncle David did for a living or what Uncle George got up to in the woods. Or, come to that, what his godlike son collected, ate, and ripped open. Or, come to that, what his godlike son collected, ate, ripped open. Ricky said you weren't allowed, she repeated as they got closer. Kieran and Ashley were backing Liam up. Nicole was about a foot shorter than their brothers, gliding between them with loose, spaced out movements, every so often treating Katie to a coy half-turn that revealed the millipede movements of her spine under her clothes. "'Ricky said,' Nicole giggled. "'Little prick ain't having my eye,' Liam told her, blocking her way out. The Porter boys were all largely identical, but she could tell Liam from Kieran by his greater muscle mass, and Ashley was much taller. She wondered if Ashley was actually the same height as Wes, but couldn't remember. "'Leave her alone!' Wes's voice sent a chill through her. He appeared, panting, but their siblings ignored him. What are you doing? Uncle Marcus said you'd do a shit job, Nicole said. We're the backup. Katie backed up against the wall and tried not to throw up. She stared at Wes in horror and hatred, but he couldn't look at her. This is wrong, Wes muttered, and to his credit, he sounded sincere. Liam laughed. Which way did you vote again? Katie couldn't hear this. It was one thing to suspect, another to know. She stared at her older brother, the only one who'd made her life bearable, and felt the world dropping away. Wes? Wes was an impressionistic blur of colour, approaching slowly, filling her vision as he stepped between her and their family. I fucked that up. But you voted, Liam sounded hurt. You voted for us. You chose us what are you doing? I'm, I don't know. Wes didn't move. I don't know. I think this is wrong. Get out of the way, Nicole snapped. Uncle Marcus wants her to stay with Uncle Barry for a while, that's all. He thinks he can help you. For a second, Katie faltered. Can he? You don't need that kind of help, Wes told her, voice low. Trust me. She just wanted it to stop, for them all to go away. I... I don't want to go with you. Leave me alone. Leave me alone, Nicole mimicked, giggling. Her whole back parted into two wings of flesh rimmed with wriggling teeth, then snapped back together. Nicole had always been Daddy's little angel. Katie tensed, wondering what she could hit them with. There was nothing around she could use. In films, there were always mounds of rubbish and handy pieces of plywood, but this was Pagamon Sea, where the council had semi-regular bin collections. Also, she wasn't a martial arts expert or anything remotely fucking useful. Wes was certainly none of those things, and to top it off, his changes were as useless as he was. A familiar, gruff voice broke through her rising panic. Watcher, cuz? Katie flinched, breath stopped in her throat, scanning the top of the wall behind them. Ricky was lounging on the top, dangling a tracksuited leg over the side. Katie breathed out, full of irritated relief. You all right? Anything I can help you with? Ricky slipped to the edge of the wall and dropped, landing on his feet. He was barely as tall as Nicole. The three Porter brothers sniggered, but they were wary. Ricky had taken them on once before, before his changes, Katie recalled. Beaten the shit out of them. She hoped he'd do it again. "'Uncle Barry sent an invite,' Nicole said, the sulky spokesperson. She looked their cousin up and down. "'That new?' Ricky glanced down at his trademark grey attire. "'Yeah,' Nicole nodded. "'Wanna see my tits?' "'They're new too.' "'You're all right, darling, thanks.' Katie considered scaling the wall anyway, but now Ricky was this side of it, it seemed safer to stay where she was. "'You can suck Kieran's cock. He's a big fan.' Kieran leered and Katie rolled her eyes. Nicole caught her and her trout pout morphed into a snarl. What's your problem, you little slag? I want to go home, Katie mumbled, getting as close to Ricky as she dared. Wes hadn't moved, but it was hard to tell what he thought about the situation with that scarf obscuring what little of his features she could see. Ricky cocked his head. What, with them? Sure. No, I mean the crows, Fairwood. I want to go back to... I want to go home with you. He smiled at her with almost childlike glee. It was disconcerting. Uncle George, Nicole sang out, and Katie heard Ricky groan. No such luck, it's George Short, he mumbled, and Katie found herself clinging to the back of his hoodie. It's your dad. Of course it is. For a second, Ricky looked genuinely worried. If she didn't know better, she might have interpreted the scowl as masking a pang of fear. But Rickie wasn't scared of anyone. It was there for a moment, then it was gone, and he got his swagger back. Wes did move now, towards Ricky, as if standing between him and Uncle George was the only sensible place to be. Katie highly doubted this was the case. She swallowed. Uncle David's around, and our dad. So why are we talking to the monkeys, not the organ grinders? Wes snorted a laugh, but Katie couldn't see the funny side. Her siblings jostled each other, but no one moved towards them. Let's go. Wes kept himself positioned between the street and Ricky, who gave him a quizzical look. I don't know where you think you're going. My car. I'll drive you over. Ricky sniffed, hawked and spat on the ground. If you like. I don't think, Katie started to say, but doubt clenched in her gut but Ricky shook his head and pointed at a cloud formation. See that? What? Travel omen, he waved a hand. "Coming through, kids. Do you just make this stuff up? Katie asked, squinting at the sky. Wes chortled. All of his confidence had returned, as if Ricky had invoked some powerful magic or an utterly dependable deity. For a moment, she didn't think it would work. Big, stocky Ashley was the first to stand aside, although he was Uncle David's girth coupled with the Porter Height, a fearsome combination, but one Ricky wouldn't think twice about challenging. Ricky's smile was soft, blunt as a butter knife, and as he turned it on Katie to see if she was following, it was almost warm at the edges. Katie dropped her eyes to the ground and let him go first. "'Which one do you want first? he asked her, licking his lips. She didn't answer, didn't look at them. "'We ain't weak.' Liam sneered, "Won't catch us on the bloody list. She wouldn't dare, would you, sis?" She almost shook her head, but Ricky caught her around the back of her neck in a tight, immobilizing grip that nearly choked her. Her shoulders rose automatically, but he propelled her forwards, hot, wet breath against her ear. "Name one of 'em. gone, That'll shit 'em up." Louder he said, "Who's on the list then? Which one?" "'All of them,' Katie whispered, and Nicole stared at her. "'That's not fair!' Ricky patted her shoulder and her skin crawled. "'I'm helping her fix it how she wants it,' he said. "'Not how Uncle Marcus wants it, nor the rest of the elders. "'It's up to her. She's our 13th, and that's how it should be.' He dropped his voice into a low, deliberate growl. "'If you lot defy me again!' I'll accelerate the changes for her, and she'll come after you tomorrow, the day after, or next bloody Tuesday, if that's what you really want. Do you understand? They believe me, Katie realised as her siblings backed off. Maybe it's him they believe, but they think I'm a threat. They're doubting themselves. That knowledge tingled through her, along with a sense of power she'd never felt before. Let her come with us, Richard. Uncle David said in his pleasant bass, approaching with caution along the street. He was a craggy mountain of a man concealed in a trench coat, and he glided along the pavement soundlessly like a glacier. It's just an invitation. Am I talking to my fucking self? Katie's stomach turned over, but she steeled herself. Uncle David tipped his fedora, and his lumpy profile obscured by his scarf gave the impression he had more than one face. Katie had the oddest impression he was missing an eye, although the two in the usual place on his face were intact. Come on, Richard. You've got better things to do than babysitter runaway, that's all. I decide what I want to do. What's my old man doing here? Ricky jerked his chin across the street. Out for a stroll, is he? That's not good for his health. Uncle David shrugged. Thought he was getting better. Well, he can think of fucking again, Ricky snapped what's he said to you? Uncle David shrugged. Not a big talker, your dad. He's just looking out for our Katie. No disrespect meant, soothsayer. Katie shrank against her tense cousin despite herself, but he relaxed at Uncle David's oily politeness. It's up to her, Ricky said, patting her back. I don't want Uncle Barry to unlock my potential, Katie said, deciding to voice her own opinion before anyone else chimed in. I'm going with Ricky. There you are. Now, no offence, uncle and cousins, but piss off. Ricky tugged the edge of his hood in mock respect. I'll take her home. Katie took a step forwards and Uncle David, to her immense surprise, took a step back. That had never happened before either. Wes jingled his car keys in his pocket. For a moment, Katie had completely forgotten he was even there. If you lot push your luck... I'll suck your brains out your heads, Ricky warned conversationally, still smiling. All right, I'll drain your auras, drink you up one memory at a time and eat your husks with rice. You're supposed to eat your greens as well, Katie said, keeping her face straight. That's the colour of Kieran's face, ain't it? Ricky asked. And Katie snorted before she could stop herself. We're off. Ricky finally let her go and patted her back. Let's go. They let them leave. That was the craziest part, Katie thought, reflecting as they were nearly all the way across town, not talking to each other. They just let them go. Uncle George never even crossed the road. He stood, staring at his son from a distance, not giving Katie a second look. Ricky had shot his father a look Katie couldn't read, and Uncle George did nothing. Uncle David, who could snap a man in half with his bare hands, did nothing. None of them did anything. Getting to Wes's car was a blur. She and Ricky sat next to each other in the back, Ricky with his feet against the passenger seat in front, despite Wes telling him five times not to. She glanced at Ricky, who ignored her. It was like a mirror image of her life, as if she'd been viewing everything in a fairground mirror up to now. She'd let them show her a distortion, kept her afraid of them, when they were the ones who should be scared of her, Ricky was probably the only one who wanted her to see herself clearly. That was a weird thought. Thanks, she said eventually, as they turned off onto Redditch Lane, leaving the town behind in a straggle of houses. No worries, Wes muttered. Katie ignored him, looking at their cousin instead. Ricky grunted. Said i keep an eye on you. He sniggered as if he'd made a private joke. They were pushing their luck is all. You knew that was going to happen. Katie watched the grin slice across his face and wrinkled her nose, hazarding a guess. Did you see it because Uncle David was there? You got one of his eyes, didn't you? Ain't you sharp? What do you think they meant about Uncle Barry? Drugs, probably. Who knows? Haven't got one of his eyes. She glanced at him. Can you... She hesitated. Read your own future. He didn't reply for a moment, hands in his pockets, interested in the fields and barren hedgerow whipping by. Yes and no. Yes and no. You can and you can't. What's that mean? He sighed, winding the window all the way down. A puff of cold breath misted in the blast of freezing air. Means, yes, I can see my own future. Under the right circumstances, astronomically speaking. What, when the moon's in Virgo? He gave her a smirk. That's astrology. I mean, like eclipses, planetary alignments, not the horoscope crap. Katie flipped her ponytail out of the collar of her coat and huddled in the seat. It's not all crap. The Gazette's horoscope page is always right. Also weirdly specific, Wes commented from the front. Katie shivered. Can you shut the window? It's January. Wes pressed a button and closed Ricky's window. Ricky opened it again. Give over. I don't like cars. One too many joy rides, Wes muttered. Katie rolled her eyes. Can you see your own future or not? Fuck me. It's like being with a mistress. Yes, I can. Six months ahead and that's it. Needs the right time, the right sacrifice bit of a show. Then yes, I can see my own future. What sort of a sacrifice? Someone young. Katie shivered. Like a virgin or. Nah, don't matter. Just young. How young? He reflected. Anything from twenty down works the same. Twenty up and it gets hazier. Not sure why, honestly. Our illustrious ancestor, the last soothsayer, you know the one, Grand's cousin Richard Pendle. He tried kids and a baby once, but his notes don't make it sound worth repeating. Katie hugged herself, nausea returning. She darted a look at Wes, but forgot his expression immediately. She was left with a vague idea she was not alone in her disgust, though she couldn't pinpoint why. So, you don't know if you survived the family cull or not? i bleed him well better, Catherine, Ricky growled, rolling every syllable of her name around his mouth on purpose, mimicking her dad, but there was a faint trace of amusement in the corner of his eye. I've been bloody good to you, Katie wrapped her coat tighter around her and wished Wes would say something, wished they could go back to when he babysat her and let her watch whatever she wanted and took her to the park and told her it was all right to be special and all right to not want to be. What if she ended up like him, a pawn of the family, tossed around between them and drowning in raves and friends who shagged her and then never called back? She resisted the urge to check her phone. Alex wasn't ever going to call. She was running out of time to tell Rocket she liked him. What a time to think about that. What favour did you want? She asked Ricky abruptly, remembering. If I go to uni and do what I want to do, what did you want? For your blessing? It sounded wrong in her mouth. She bit down on the sneer. Ricky blinked, looking down at his lap. Oh, nothing, just... I wanted to read your books, that's all, when you were done with them. Katie was sure she'd misheard. She'd expected something far more dramatic. Wasn't he supposed to demand her body parts or something, at the very least? My books. My textbooks. That would be all right, would it? Ricky chanced to glance at her. Uh, yeah. She was sure this was a trap. It couldn't be that basic. You sure there's nothing else? Not that I can think of. "'Can I drop you here?' Wes asked, pulling into the side of the road by the gates of Fairwood House. "'I doubt I can just drive in.' For a moment, Katie had forgotten Wes was driving. Fairwood House was out of bounds to her kin, and while it had made an exception for her and Ricky, she wasn't sure why or how an exception could be made. Ricky scowled. "'Just a minute.' He got out and opened the wrought iron gates wide, but paused to have a conversation with them that neither Katie or Wes could hear. It looked both one-sided and heated. Is he still talking to that house? Wes asked, a hint of worry in the tone of casual amusement. I haven't seen him do that since the last time we got high. Katie frowned. You used to get high together? Once or twice, Wes shrugged. He always liked it in the woods there and we... He trailed off as Ricky returned, flushed and scowling. Well? Drive in. Ricky got back in the car and thumped his foot against the passenger seat. You're such a child. Wes put the car in gear and pulled slowly off, checking his mirrors. You're cleaning my car. Ricky's lips twisted in a bitter sneer, but he didn't say anything. He didn't move his foot. She says she remembers meeting you. Who? Wes made it carefully through the gates and they drove up the gravel drive. Carrie? Yeah. Katie frowned. When did you meet her? At the pub once, Wes parked up, staring at the façade of Fairwood, where I meet everyone. Katie snorted in spite of herself, but Ricky was already out of the door. He didn't even shut it behind him. He's a prick, she said, unbuckling her seatbelt and climbing out the same side, giving the door a careful push. Wes took his time, staring at the house. Yeah. He cleared his throat. This is... Do you feel it? That... There's something up with this place. Katie nodded, but only slightly, as if afraid the house would see. That's silly, she chided herself. She didn't raise her voice, though. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Everything he touches gets twisted, Wes said, and slammed his door shut. Though this place never liked us much to start with. Katie didn't know what to say to that. Had she been living with Ricky long enough to be tainted too? Was that what he thought? She tossed her ponytail and swallowed. Coming in? Wes nodded reluctantly, as if he couldn't say no. The windows watched them, blank, and yet somehow curious, as if it wanted to see what would happen next. Katie hurried after Ricky into the porch where the front door stood ajar, and only then did it occur to her that if the windows were eyes, then she was entering the welcoming mouth. She closed her eyes as she entered, feeling it gulp her down, scrapbook her between its bricks and joists, rifle through her thoughts and stir up her memories. (laughs) get if you want to buy the books you can do so from any ebook store and they're available on Amazon as well and also from my Kofi shop directly as ebooks the paperbacks are only available from Amazon Um, but also the crows now has an audiobook version and you can grab that across any of the audiobook platforms if you'd rather support me just as a one-off donation on Kofi you can do that Or you can join monthly and be a member of either of my monthly tiers on Ko-fi. But anything would be much appreciated. Thank you for all your support. Bye now.